0: It was cracking Lovely People, Big Feed Up HQ podcast, no messing around today, all things female health. I've got a really, really good nutritionist here, nutritional therapist, Phoebe. So we met oh, through one of our mutual friends, Joe, who I've had on the show as well. We've done a couple of episodes Joe Emotion Nutrition so you, sh- you can listen back but today I've managed to get uh, Phoebe to skip her gym session and talk to me which has really been nice so yeah we're gonna we're gonna basically just explore things she's absolutely food first I love her handle in her website making every mouthful matter I'll link to all of her information her wonderful recipes and things but um, yeah welcome how you doing
1: really good thanks and obviously absolute pleasure would never mind skipping my gym session to come join you this morning
0: Nice, so what I suppose maybe that's a good little place to start, what was the morning routine look like for you?
1: Um, oh, so it entirely depends, I'm very much one of those people who just listens to what my body needs at the time, so I tend to concentrate on things like strength training, I might do some little circuity kind of bits, occasionally I'll chuck on a cardio session, or I am a massive Reformer Pilates fan, I think it's a fantastic form of exercise and it combines all of the things that you want: mobility,
0: flexibility, bit of strength, mm. and bit of jumping around too. So, cool. Yeah. Loads of different types of exercise. Oh, well, maybe that's a good place to start in terms of when you're getting up and you're thinking about brekkie before you exercise. Because I have a lot of conversations with female clients around energy and things. You know, do you mm-hmm. do you tend to vary what you eat before a certain type of exercise? Because it sounds like you do. You know, a few a few different modalities there. That that's maybe somewhere that we can just ease into this. To this conversation.
1: Absolutely. So when I talk to women generally, my overwhelming thing is that we tend to be a little bit more highly strong, and that's not anything bad. We are just more emotional, we're more hormonally driven, and so I tend to advise fasted exercise is not the ideal, especially if you are already a little bit on the edgy side, because what Mm. we tend to do is then go and push that adrenal stress response. And you feel great for a couple of hours afterwards but actually in terms of the gains that you get from your exercise and the way your body then works and how you feel later in the day you tend to crash down so you don't have to eat something massive and for example if i'm heading out the door at like seven o'clock in the morning i'm not going to sit down and have a full breakfast before i go to the gym mm. um but i would make myself a really simple kind of quite light smoothie mm. um I put lots of nice bitter greens in there because, again, that's really important for us women. We get those bitters. They'll help with our liver, which helps with our hormone balancing. I'll chuck in maybe some things like turmeric, maybe some other bits and bobs like some cacao, and a little bit of protein. And like we say, mutual friend Joe, I always tend to use the motion nutrition ones. Mm. I like the fact that they're organic, they're pure. And if I'm doing a bit like a quite a cardio workout, I'd use that half a portion just because it's lighter on my stomach. Mm. If I'm doing something strength-based, I'd probably put a little bit more protein in and then finish my workout, have a shower, have a good proper protein rich breakfast afterwards.
0: Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really smart. And then how, um, yeah, I suppose if we, if we backtrack a little bit after that kind of cheeky intro to your, to your training day, how did you get into doing what you do? And, and, you know, you're so passionate about, about working with 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 female clients and I know, I know you take on like a broad client base anyway but um yeah it's, it's since since we first met you know you're kind of extremely passionate about te- teaching women how to kind of yeah regulate energy levels take back control in terms of their their lifestyle and their environment is that is that something that you, you you're kind of you know champion
1: definitely and i think at this point, there has been a lot of self-experimentation. <laughs> and also, I'm very lucky to have met people along the way in my own kind of, in inverted commas, health journey um, who've taught me things and changed the way that I work out. And I used to be a massive cardio bunny. I loved to run. I would do ridiculous quantities every week. And then I ended up as an exhausted, kind of not particularly muscular um. Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't say shell of a human being, but <laughs> I wasn't doing so well for myself, and I was pretty bloody knackered at the same time, and I kept getting injured. Mm. Um, and then, so I took a step back, realized that actually going more into the strength training kind of thing, that's when I took up reformer Pilates about five and a half years ago. Yeah, And obviously, just seeing how your body changes, seeing that actually you shouldn't feel like you're dragging your forehead across the floor at the end of the day because you've done too <laughs> much cardio, <laughs> um, that kind of stuff is, yeah, it's just self-experimentation bit of a journey and now I just love the fact that women will come to me probably in a similar situation or they can't quite work out why they're holding that little bit of body fat around their middle mm. or mm. they can't quite build up that muscle that they feel like they're putting all that effort into it's usually a few kind of simple tweaks and changes to what they're doing and it makes a whole amount of difference and I love being able to share that with people
0: mm. so and that's mm. how
1: I've ended up here
0: <laughs> well, that's fab and then yeah you're you, you base basically um, bit, bit more in, 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 in a clinic in um, Harley Street and then also you, you kind of quite mobile as well with what you do so obviously if you want to reach out after the show is that you know that's obviously the best way to get you is it?
1: Absolutely so I do a selection of different things I do do some home visits but now I am primarily based in my Harley Street practice mm. and I love the fact that it's central people can get to me um, it means that I can offer more time as well, because when you're more mobile, obviously I'm then running around mm. and it takes up a bit of appointment time that I could otherwise give to people. But I do also do lots of Skype consults. So mm. people want to grab me before work in the morning or late in the evening or they're a bit further flung in London. Central London is far for them to come. Mm. They can pretty much find me however they want to.
0: Mega. All right. Well, let's let's take a little bit of a dive in. So, say you know you, you you've got a um a, a new and interested female client, and um you know you, you're kind of having initial conversations and things. Obviously, we're not going to potentially address really specific conditions, but if we keep things kind of broad for you know most of the audience space what what are the kind of first first few things that that you're looking to to speak to about someone or with someone, and then I don't know. Do you do you look to try to adapt? Food environment. Do you kind of have a conversation around behaviour change? Let you know. Let's maybe get that story going a little bit.
1: Sure. So nutritional therapy as an overarching thing looks instead of say just looking at symptoms that somebody has, you take those symptoms and you look at what the sort of interconnection between them is to try and work out what the fundamental root cause of those things are. Hmm. So for example, somebody is a relatively active person. They maybe get sort of a bit of muscle soreness, they're also a little bit anxious, perhaps they get sort of weird PMS-style symptoms or really painful periods, and perhaps they're getting a bit more painful. One of the crucial things that links all of those things together would be their magnesium status. So Mm. that's kind of one thing you put in one box. So when I talk to people, we don't just talk about how they're feeling, I'll be asking them really specific questions maybe about their sleep cycle, the way Mm. their digestion works. All of that kind of stuff. And it gives me this picture that then means that I can give them something really personal that will target all of the underlying bits and then get rid of the stuff that they're seeing on the surface. Mm. Um, as a broad spectrum for women overall, I know that we talk about things like greens and that kind of stuff and everyone can do with some more veg. <laughs> but the best thing that serves, serves us girls is to have things like the cruciferous veg. So they're your broccoli, your cabbages, your cauliflower, because all those sort of vegetables, have these liver-supporting compounds. And for us, like I said, we are more hormonally mediated and supporting the liver as best we can is always going to stand us in good stead for generally feeling and being better. Mm. Um, Similarly, magnesium... Pretty much everybody needs more magnesium. We live in a sort of a state where we are quite, quite highly stressed. Mm. Our environment means that we need more magnesium to de- detoxify things. Again, it's supportive of the liver. It's supportive of muscle regeneration, if you are nice and active like mm. me. Um, so yeah, lots of things, again, like your leafy greens, nuts and seeds, all those kind of bits. These natural whole foods... As a general point the more that you can get food into your diet that resembles food mm. as opposed to something that you need to use a dictionary to decipher the ingredients <laughs> it's always going to be of benefit and um, the other top thing that everybody needs more of is omega-3 mm. which is your oint fish but actually for girls we do really well with some extra plant-based omega-3 as well so looking at your flaxseed oil mm. your ground flaxseed Um, and things like hemp and that kind of stuff it's nice and nourishing, it gives you beautiful supple skin and Mm. all of that kind of stuff but it also supports on a deeper level things like your cell membrane so they can talk more sort of easily to each other you get your energy working better your insulin works better your inflammation goes down and it's all of those things on top of each other that if they get a bit out of whack that's when we start to see symptoms in people Mm. so head them off at the pass before they start to become an issue by getting all your goods in that's my my (laughs) core yeah
0: decent all right so say you know the 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 oils let's just pick those for example the flax seeds and stuff because that might be quite new to people Or you know they're now you can get these things they are readily available but then i think it's just that practical approach of you know what what do you do with them i know people are using um you know milled ground flax seed and stuff now um I, I try and teach people a lot that when you when you're using those kind of um seeds and all that kind of stuff as well you, ha- you do have to because a lot of people buy them whole and as you know you need to actually grind them down or something or they're just going to kind of go go straight through the body so from from the oil from the oil form um yeah it, like some of your some of your recipes and things obviously people can look out after this but when they're listening what do you how, like, how do you integrate that into 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 someone's day
1: So, again, it's one of those things that I would completely gauge from somebody's lifestyle. So, when we look at something like flaxseed oil, it's fantastic. But the thing about these oils is when they're really fluid and liquid at room temperature, that can be great for the body. But it also means if they're left and they're not kept properly, they Mm -hmm. can oxidize and then they're not so great. Mm -hmm. So, if you are a super busy person... But you make a smoothie every morning and you know that you could take your flaxseed oil out of the freezer where you've kept it nice and solid and away from oxygen mm. then that's absolutely fine you have your flaxseed oil every morning um and that's okay if you aren't that person we swap up to hemp oil which is similarly rich in omega-3 but it's less volatile to oxidation mm. so that's quite an easy balance um, or you could do something really simple like just when you finish your meals chuck a bit of oil on the top or chuck the seeds on top hold hemp seeds similarly are nice and soft but again because they're contained with the fiber of the seed the oil is protected mm. um like you say with the ground and the whole flaxseed they're two entirely different things so whole flaxseed is something separate it's great as a digestive tool if people have issues there so i would use it in that sense soaked and they can include it in their diet as almost a therapeutic tool um milled flaxseed bridges the between that really volatile oil and the whole, it's still got lots of fibre though, so if you are only getting your omega-3 from ground flaxseed, it's not going to be enough so a lot of people are on plant-based diets now and one of the things they don't realise is that just a small amount of milled flaxseed a day is not going to account for the fact that they don't eat anything like oily fish or Mm. perhaps they don't take a supplement, so they would need to be a bit more active about increasing their intake or looking at other elements to make sure they're getting enough of those really essential fats in their diet.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So if it's so if it's the flaxseed oils kept in the freezer and if it's if it's the hemp oil, it's it's like you so it's less volatile, so in terms of storing it in things, it it doesn't have to be kept in the freezer. So you would say that's that's fridge oil, or that can be out in the open is is I was, the recommendation. My,
1: my guiding point is liquid oils mm. keep them cold. Mm. So they shouldn't ever be heated, and if you can keep them cooler, like at this time of year, if you keep it on the kitchen counter and there isn't sort of sunshine coming in through the window and hitting the bottle, then mm. they absolutely fine. But if you get into the habit of keeping these things in the fridge, same with your olive oil, mm. it just means they're going to be preserved for longer, mm. um, and you get more of the benefits when you come to eat them. So that's I always think, is a good thing. If you can gain more by doing less, yeah. it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think it's that easy thing of not getting overwhelmed with ingredients and just finishing meals with something crunchy or uh, something you know with a little bit of oils really really smart so that's um you know they're easy takeaways and i don't think people need to kind of fall down these these mountains of all these all these kind of um lists of food and get really intimidated it's picking a couple of things there like you said what what are the the fats like in your diet um if you're eating you know a lot more vegetables and, and you're not taking in all your fish just just make a bit of a switch up and kind of you know get get a bit more organized but um yeah and once it's in i suppose once it's in the routine it's just a little bit easier like i put um my fish oil for example in 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 the fridge and then also even though i might not need to keep it there i keep my my vitamin d and and and, and a simple kind of probiotic right next to it and it's just because it triggers me to then take them all together whereas you know if i didn't if i had them in different places in the house you'd probably forget Um, and then also you're opening the fridge in the morning every day anyway, to whatever you're doing and it, and it, and it just allows you to kind of create a bit of a routine and a bit of a schedule. So, um, yeah, but the overarching kind of thing that, that, that you were saying there for the listeners is that, um, sometimes you use things as a therapeutic tool and other times, like you said, you're using things for flavor, texture, um and then also just you know ov- overall kind of nourishment of the body isn't it so that's the the nutritional therapy side of things snuck out there because obviously you you sometimes use these ingredients as, as more than just I'll eat them because they're good for you and they're buzzwords so that's that's nice for people to hear that as well there's always method behind recommendations we're we're not just random with with no. our with our chat about like oh yeah flax really good chuck it in so it's um now now that's, that's-
1: I was just going to agree. That's the thing that I always kind of stand behind with the making every mouthful matter. And I think it's Mm. a privilege that we get as a nutritional therapist because you can ask somebody because you have more time with them how you can fit these things into their diet. And sometimes I will get emails back from people going, hold on, but we said we were going to look at my blood pressure or we were going to look at such and such. And it's like, yeah, we are. But you know what? It's snuck in in your diet because actually food is a fantastic medicinal tool if you use it in the right way. Mm. And so simple things, like one of the, the things I tell, I tell people to do now is this like super sprinkle idea. Mm. So you get a jar, and you don't have, need to have every nut and seed in the world in your house at any one time. But you pick a couple, you make up a little jar, and that is your topping of all your meals for that week. Mm. And then the next week, you just vary it. And so it would include things like the hemp and chia seeds and maybe some walnuts and that kind of stuff. Mm. But it's simple, it provides flavour, it provides that texture, but like you say, it's also got that sneaky bit underneath, which is that it's bringing the nutritious nuggets that mm. we actually want to address in people.
0: Mm. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then from a magnesium point of view, um, mm-hmm. the, you know, the practical sides of foods, obviously you mentioned some of the leafy greens, but you've got, uh, in my mind, there's, there's obviously cashew nuts in there, there's brown rice in there, uh avocados are quite magnesium rich is there, is there anything else that people can kind of move into you know to, to start to pick up more of that mineral have, have i missed any off
1: no it's, it's pretty much you're going to find a bit in all of your veg so as long as you're getting a good variety it's always going to be the dark green leafies that are your real mineral powerhouses um mm. and then varying things like your nuts and seeds always going to be a fantastic thing um i would say that in terms of people's requirements. A lot of the time, people will come in and they are eating these things, but they're still getting symptoms of low magnesium. And that is, like we say, because the pressures of the world that we live in and the pace at which we live Mm. means that we're actually using more than we can physically take in. Mm. So if somebody is getting things like muscle cramps or occasionally get an eye twitch, or they are getting these symptoms of a bit of a hormonal imbalance, Mm. they might want to look at either a short-term loading dose therapeutic supplement, so quite a high dose, um, or they want to just look at having a continuous, steady influx. It doesn't need to be a huge amount, but they might just find that all of a sudden, once they've done a couple of weeks on something like a, a sort of 200 to 400 milligram dose a day, mm. that actually those things start to fade away, and it was just because they are literally using so much in so many different places that they aren't quite able just to get that level that they need from their food. Mm. And I personally take a magnesium supple- supplement every day, and I must have... <laughs> more greens than most people will have in a week in one morning so it's just it's working out what your body is using mm. and just tailoring accordingly
0: what would you do for for your kind of short-term high dose if you're cracking a you know, between two, 400 milligrams for a bit of a kind of steady influx. I like that term. What, What would you, obviously that's, it's person dependent. We don't want people to go away and start popping in pills and things. But I think it's interesting to have these open conversations. And the good thing about what we do is that, you know, it's not a, we're behind a desk like a, like a doctor and telling someone to take something and there's no way of deviating or understanding what it is. So, um, yeah, like, what, what in your experience, have you have you gone higher than, you know, 400 milligrams and how, how kind of long do you do that for in, in general, if, you know, if you can answer that?
1: So, it would depend on the person and what we need to just be careful about is magnesium comes in lots of different forms. Yeah. So, if somebody comes in and they are maybe having slightly sluggish digestion and you can see that their magnesium status is a bit low, we might go for something like magnesium citrate, which has the effect of actually speeding up your transit time, so it will encourage things like bowel movements, so that mm. can be a, big, a good one there. But on the other hand, if somebody's got low magnesium status but their digestion is fine, you don't want to touch a citrate because they'll end up going the other way and be running to the bathroom too often. Mm. Um, gold standard now is actually something called magnesium, which is tiny, tiny atom-sized particles and it goes straight into the bloodstream by the capillaries and the cheeks. Mm. So for a lot of my super stressed clients, they actually want their magnesium to go straight to places like the brain or go around the, the blood system really quickly. Mm. So we would do something like a nano. Um, or you can do a combination. We get things like if somebody's a bit more anxious and they don't sleep so well, magnesium in combination with vitamin B6 support your serotonin and melatonin metabolism. Mm. And then you can add in something like saffron. There are products by, Vir- by Viridian, which are really nice. They're capsule forms. It's a mix of different types of magnesium and you've got those extra little cofactors. So you're going to be hitting antioxidant, anti-inflammatory sort of bits as well, and you're going to support that sleep cycle. Mm. So again, tailoring to somebody, but if you're going for a nano, you can go up to like eight hundred milligrams a day. It's not going to affect the digestion. Yeah. If you're sticking to the capsule forms, you need to probably Head a little bit lower, but you could divide the dose. Yeah. Do 500 in the morning, do 500 in the evening, yeah. and just check for you that it doesn't
0: start causing those digestive symptoms. Yeah. So, so the nano. Yeah. So is that is that like a sublingual? Um. Yeah. You're taking something on under the under the tongue, and it's going into the the bloodstream quite quick. Is that maybe something to explain to people? If it, you know, because obviously yeah. for for some, um, if if we're gonna give supplementation to people, and like you said, we take a bit of a detailed case history, and we're not that confident that that the you know the digestive system's functioning normally let's just say that um mm-hmm. that they that might not always be the best place to 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 give people capsules so yep. so that's quite a nice you know it's another way of hopefully navigating around that system and trying to get trying to get this these these minerals to to where they need to be
1: absolutely so yeah uh, like the nanoforms liquid forms of vitamins and minerals are yeah. brilliant so the nano magnesium and they do other things like iron as well you hold it, it's in a deionized water, so you Mm. just hold it in your mouth for 30 seconds and it allows these tiny particles to cross those really fine blood vessels in the cheeks. Mm. And then you just swallow the water and there's no effect on the digestive system. Mm. And again, with the kind of people who come in who are quite highly stressed and highly anxious, Mm. one of the downsides of that is because you're in this survival state, your digestion does suffer because your body doesn't naturally think about looking at food or looking at eating because it can't tell that you're not running away from a tiger and in actual fact you're just stressed about the fact that you've got loads of stuff going on at work or mm. your kids are screaming in your ear or something like that yeah. um, so liquids are brilliant and actually for things like fat soluble stuff so your vitamin D which we all know we need to take especially in the winter in Britain mm. having that in a liquid oil based form you'll use it much better than if you have to get a capsule through the digestion break it down, absorb it, mm. take it up by the time you actually get there you're probably on to your next dose anyway so yeah. I really like liquids. I
0: think they work really well. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good tip, and it's interesting to, to explore. Yeah, the different types of, of forms of supplementation with people. Yeah, especially vitamin D in this time of year. That's a great conversation. I like I like vitamin D supplements in terms of capsules, especially if I'm working with someone um around around gut health, because obviously I want it to go in into that system. Because there's some interesting stuff around how if we're putting in yeah vitamin D in the capsule form, that might be therapeutic to the gut. But again. Yeah, it's it's very yeah, it's very very individual dependent. But I think that they're the cornerstones, aren't they? Like, think, think squaring away your essential fats. You know, looking at magnesium as a mineral. I think slowly to to the general public, that's going to become the you know the next thing i think more people are aware of vitamin d now not everyone does it i still see people at least one you know one person a week or so who's coming in but you know tired and 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 other kind of other kind of buzzwords around that and then they've never really thought about vitamin d but most people are kind of a bit more aware of it but i think Mm -hmm. yeah like magnesium is 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 such yes such an important one and i think um the cruciferous vegetables and things people know broccoli cauliflower spring greens things like that they're good for you but then it's how you integrate them into your day so do you you know do you make a point of the weekends go, going and picking up these these foods do you prep things ahead of time obviously these things are fresh and and, and you know they go off a bit quicker so how do you actually practically get someone to, to eat these things and, and and bring them into their you know into their kind of schedule or their their life
1: so, this is a really interesting point. And I was going to highlight it as well in terms of bridging the gap between supplements and food, um, yeah. which I'll talk about in a sec. But for greens in general, I try and encourage this idea of actually just looking at them more as a garnish, um, not in the sense of you have like a small amount on the side of your plate. But a lot of the time now, people are having much more warming dishes. And if you really cook the hell out of greens, you're going to lose a lot of the. Uh, the nutrients that you want in there yeah. so i personally love farmers markets it means mm-hmm. i can buy organic produce and it's like half the price of going to a supermarket um so i would pick up maybe some broccoli or some cauliflower something a bit more hardy and then i pick up something leafy like one of the cabbages or cavolo nero or something like that yeah and then if i'm making a nice warming stew or like a chili or something like that at the end when it's warm i just shred up my kind of double handful mm. of something green and leafy and just chuck it in and put a lid on so that it's not actually cooking, it's just wilting down in that residual heat of the sauce. Mm. So you get all your greens in, you don't feel like you're chomping through masses of actual leaves, but you've preserved all those nutrients because they haven't really been cooked that much. And then what I was going to say about things like broccoli and cauliflower is at this time of year, because we're cooking a lot more, we don't eat a lot of raw and vitamin C is something that people will know as a buzzword in terms of their immune system. But naturally, when you have less raw foods, you don't get as much because it's a really heat, unstable nutrient. Mm. So I tend to say to people, roast things like your broccoli and your cauliflower, but reserve like a couple of florets and just shred it up. So again, it becomes a texture but sprinkle it on the top so it doesn't get cooked at all, and then all of those heat-unstable nutrients that you might get if you're eating lots of salads in the summer, you then add back into your plates in the winter. So it's quite a simple tool, mm. but it's a way of just making sure that you're getting a good diversity and you're not missing out on those sort of crucial things that we might not get otherwise.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's important to be to, to try to eat seasonally, like you said, and the root vegetables and other things like that come in. But then yeah, we've got you know we've got so much access to to other forms of foods, and it's just having that ability to to mix up the types of 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 ways that you're cooking them. Now I'm a big fan of that. I think the topping the toppers have given me a really good idea. I usually try to get in a little bit more of the raw stuff by basically obviously blending on say, uh, this uh, Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings. I can I can work from home, so then I have a bit more kind of. So that means I might have a bit more of a liquid form breakfast and, and, and create, you know, a, f- a few more smoothies with not cooking veggies or or, or fruits and things. Because the other side of the week, I'll, you know, I'll either um overnight oat some kind of some kind of fruit based stuff and I'll do a lot of one pot wonders and, and, you know, cook and stir fry. So. I think that, that's, a, that's a really good point to take away. And then it allows you to use everything, doesn't it? Because you can cut off the, the roots and the stalks and the hardier, heavier bits and you can use those in your stews and then, you know, you can topper top everything. And um, yeah, that, that, just, that just kind of takes a bit more of the, yeah, a bit more of the kind of um, decision fatigue out of how to, um, yeah, how to cook some of those veg and, and what to do with them because people constantly need, you know, recommendations on how to do these things as well.
1: And also, you can do stuff really simply. Your blender is going to be your best friend because if you can, because the thing about those those sort of veggies is they are quite fibrous. So, an actual fact, to try and eat a lot of them, if you aren't used to a lot of fibre, mm. it's a bit hefty on the digestive system. I know I've trained mine over a period of time to get to where I am now, but beforehand, I didn't consume nearly as much of that fibre as I do now. No. But even things like if you make dips or eggs, chuck a big handful of spinach in, blend it all up together have a really nice vibrantly green omelette with loads of spinach and parsley and stuff in it and you don't even notice that you're having it or put it into, like I say, make some, roast up some of your lovely root veg. Again, add some spinach or some of those nice uh, sort of cabbagey things. Mm. Blend it all together with a really quick out of the cupboard can of butter beans and some garlic or some tahini. Mm. You've got a gorgeous dip. It's full of delicious flavour but it's packing all of those nutrients as well and you don't even notice you're having it. Yeah. One of the things I do a lot with my kid clients, it's like, yeah, today we're going to have green monster eggs, and they love it, yeah. and they get to chuck loads of stuff in. It's easy for the parents, but you know what? We're all big kids anyway, so mm. hide it for us, and we'll enjoy it too.
0: Well, 100%. Yeah, it's just having different colours, isn't it? And I think dips and things that people can dig into, different textures, it's, it's yeah, it's all interesting. And, and And that's, yeah, it's just having that confidence to be like, right, what do I do with beans? It doesn't just have to be heated up in a pot. You know, you can blend them um you know eggs are a canvas for for definitely getting the veggies in i think that's one of the first conversations i have with with clients and things at the weekend just like i know you've got the morning from home so if you are going to be having a bit more of a cooked breakfast you know why not have it mid-morning and start to put in a few more vegetables and things and that you know that's starting to just plug a few more holes if through the week you've just been absolutely manic and you're buying on the go gives you two days of being able to really dig into some more vegetables uh, but you meant you mentioned I suppose yeah, maybe we f- we finish this kind of like foodie conversation around some of the herbs because people probably, you know, they 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 won't maybe integrate that into into their cooking and their lifestyles as much. But I know people will pick up kind of fresh mint tea and other kind of stuff. But what's a what's a kind of broad brushstroke around some of some of the fresh herbs and and spices and things that that you cook with or that also you might use therapeutically with 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 female clients.
1: Okay, so the thing I love about herbs is if you kind of look at a salad leaf and you think, oh, that's pretty good for you, if you then look at a herb, it's basically like a smaller leaf and all of those nutrients and those powerful properties are just super concentrated. And that's what gives the actual flavor of them as well. So those volatile oils, the things that you can smell and you can kind of like sense about a herb, they're the things that you want to take in. So for female clients, things like your parsley and your coriander, those sort of flat, soft herbs, They're all amazing, and parsley as well is brilliant. If you have any kind of allergy, it stops you from releasing histamine from the cells. Mm. So I get hay fever, so when it comes to like March time, I just start whacking handfuls of parsley into my smoothie every morning, and for the last couple of years, I have had no symptoms whatsoever, so that's a brilliant one. Mm. Um, Things like your woodier herbs as well, so this time of year, oregano, rosemary, thyme, all of those things, they are brilliant antimicrobials. So if you can start chucking them into something like your eggs in the morning, putting them into your stocks and your stews, even just doing stuff like pouring warm water over them and making like sort of teas. Mm. Freshman tea is fantastic, and it's great for things like respiratory infections and balancing your digestion, but the harder, more oily ones are even better. And similarly, so one of the things I do with a lot of people at this time of year, and brilliant for women in general, is like a root ginger and turmeric tea. Mm. It's so easy to do. You take sort of a piece of ginger, maybe the size of your palm, couple of bits of fresh turmeric if you can get it or you can use dried and you just whack it up put it in a pan with about a liter of water and a tightly fitting lid let it bubble away for about 10 minutes and then just leave it to go cold mm. strain that chuck it in the fridge and every morning start your day with a bit of that concentrated liquid and a bit of warm water straight down the hatch that stimulates the liver production balances hormones is nice. hugely anti-inflammatory great for the immune system yeah. you can add a bit of lemon if you want to it tastes really good and it's simple but it is harnessing that real potent almost like traditional medicine style thing that we get from herbs and spices
0: yeah i'm digging it so that's how do you say you simmer it you cook it so you, it's, you actually shred the ginger or do you just take like a thumb-sized piece bang it no, into so a you, pan
1: you want like a really you want a good hefty piece so if yeah. you're doing about a you you're looking for a really concentrated liquid but that means it'll last you for a good week yeah. and it'll stay fresh in the fridge for five to six days yeah. so like palm-sized piece yeah chup- sort of give it a bash, it doesn't need to be like finely chopped, just uh, chop it into chunks and then there needs to be a tightly fitting lid, if you haven't got one that really stops the steam coming out, then just put a piece of baking parchment between the pan and the lid, Mm. because it's the volatile oils that you don't want to escape, you want to keep them in there. Mm. So yeah, simmer for about 10 minutes, just so it's a low bubble. And then turn it off and leave it just to go cold with the bits of root still sat in there. That will mean that everything kind of passes out into the water. Yeah. And you can either strain it and put it into a jar or you can leave the bits of root in the liquid if you want to. But then it means that Crunchy. you can only keep it there for about two or three days. So it can go a bit funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, Decent. Yeah, so
1: I take them out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. And just, yeah, put that through like a fine sieve or something. And then that's something you could yeah. easily do in the evening and then let it go cold through through um you know the night in the fridge and stuff and that you know that's like an absolute winner
1: quality yes, absolutely. and you can use it say if you're making your overnight oats and you yeah. knew that you were going to be leaving early in the morning the next day yeah and you weren't going to have time to have it before you go chuck a bit of it in there yeah. give it a bit of flavor it's got a bit of a kick to it it's really nice
0: no Always 100% smoothie,
1: whatever you fancy
0: yeah no that's really good and I think it's that there's, there's nothing wrong with trying something a little bit different and even though having fresh rosemary as a tea might might sound a little bit you know kind of rogue most of mm. us will give you know the, the fresh mint a go and and you, like you said there's all these you know like different ways of having coffee and tea and things that people experimented with at these cafes and then you bring up oh I'll try a little bit of this in, in in your morning cuppa and everyone's like oh no way But, you know, they help themselves to like a beetroot smoothie in Starbucks or whatever it is. So, you know, you can you can take these ingredients and experiment with them. And I think you can't ever really go wrong with ginger and lemon. And then, you know, if you do need to sweeten something a little bit to start with or you haven't really had the turmeric flavor before, just kind of like build into it. But I think, you know, everyone can definitely start with topping their meals and things with some of the veggies. They can start with understanding a little bit more about magnesium and things. And then it's just... um, yeah, it's taking the time to actually source some of these herbs and 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 spices and stuff like that. And um, yeah, you know, m- markets and things around where you are, it's a no brainer. And it's taking time to, I think, in your food environment, like you do, because I know you go up to the one in in West Hampstead. It's just um, you know being being a bit more deliberate about where you're purchasing your food. And it, it, I think it's you know it is admin, but then it's something that's important. So. Um, you know get get around and, and see what's out there I know I know things online are very convenient but you can do a lot of your kind of basics there but then also getting out and finding fresh food is yeah it's a good experience it gets you active you know you can sometimes get better deals like you say
1: absolutely and I think it's just this idea as well it's a bit of a changing perception challenge your idea of what your food's actually going to taste like yeah. also get a bit more excited about food I obviously I come from a certain bias in the sense that I think that investing in your kind of health and wellness with what you fuel your body with is exceptionally important Mm. but i think that a lot of people are coming around to this idea now and actually if you can stand and you can chat to the guy who's like grown this cabbage for you yeah it's pretty it's like it's a good thing to do get back to actually kind of looking at things and i pick up stuff and try stuff that i've never had before and i feel like i'm pretty experimental with what i bring into my kitchen Mm. um But yeah, lots of things are more widely available, and I think that's a nice thing just to touch on as well in terms of what people reach for. You don't need to be hugely exotic. Mm. There's no need to go for a goji berry if you've got beautiful blueberries and that kind of stuff in front of you. Mm. All of the things that we have here that aren't crazy expensive um, are just as nutritious, fine if you want to experiment, and I know that I do, but my foundation is always going to be stuff that I can get here. And then if I decide that I'm going to get some like random superfood powder from South America... That's fine because it's something I wouldn't be exposed to otherwise. But my foundation is good, honest stuff that probably grew like within 10 miles of here. Yeah. Um, So if people do want to experiment with superfoods, that's fine. But go for the stuff that you find at your farmer's market. And there are so many now that if you go like nip online, search your area, there used to be one here, I think, once a week. And now I think there are about five a week. Yeah. (laughs) So you can always just dash home. And they're usually like either, I don't know, on your way home from work, in a lunch break have a look around where you work as well because i know that there are some up by in my office and if i'm running low on something i'll just nip out in my lunch have a look see what's going on mm. grab some bits and bring them home at the end of the
0: day 100 percent. most people get lunch breaks and things and they have you know fridges and freezers and, and little kitchens at work because that kind of stuff's really important for a lot of mm. you know staff well-being things so yeah it's it's an, it's an absolute no-brainer and i think maybe that's that's a good kind of place to to finish and, and it's that it's important that you know, we don't, there's, there's this term, this, this, this American practitioner uses very simple. It's, it's nutritionism. So it's the whole kind of, it's not always focusing on, because I think with weight management and, and, and when you see a nutritionist or something, people are always going to think like, right, it's restriction. It's talking about calories. And in some cases that's really important, but then also, you know, a, a chicken breast isn't always just 180 calories and 20 grams of protein like you said it's where's it from what's it doing to the body how can i make it delicious and similar to what you were saying there with 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 the vegetables and with the beans and the and 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 the nuts and seeds and stuff it's okay it's important to think about what's what's going in but that's why i wanted to get you on the show because it's um yeah just championing tasty food championing kind of um you know nourishing food and, you know, we, we, we work with a lot of people who maybe haven't got a, a good a good relationship with food and they're always worried about, you know, what's what's going in in terms of the, the energy value rather than the actual kind of nutritional integrity.
1: Absolutely. And I would say, it's like a nice sort of closing point, all calories are not created equal. Mm-hmm. But in the same sense that obviously we talks about food being very nutritious and being a therapeutic tool and that kind of stuff, fundamentally it should be something that is delicious, that we enjoy, it's there to be shared it's there to kind of show care for our friends and family so yeah make it nutritious make it good for you but make sure that you enjoy it as well never do anything because it's in brackets healthy or good for you you're not going to see me chugging back something that I really dislike because there's no point you won't do it long term however good it is for you if it tastes horrible Mm. no thanks
0: (laughs) yeah definitely It's, it's 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 consistency isn't it and it's these these some of these tools and tactics we talked about today, you know, you can go away and learn this stuff, but then it's actually creating good habits of sourcing food and, and understanding your environment and picking things up. But oh that's actually awesome. Cool. So where um how how can people follow what you do? You know, do, do you want to let everyone know? Obviously I'll put that in the bio as well, but not everyone always sees those things, so it's nice to kind of yeah, let let people know about what you're posting or, or you know, what you're writing. Sure. So
1: if you want to find me on Instagram, I am at underscore natural nourishment i do pretty much daily stuff i'll share recipes i'll do little bits about certain foods certain health conditions that kind of thing and then you can find me naturalnourishment.me is my website and i will do longer blog posts go into a little bit more detail there's also all the recipes with some extra bits and bobs in there and some videos of me talking about stuff Mm. and all my clinical practice stuff is on there too uh so yeah have a look you can always be in touch and i'm sure matt will put my details if you want to chat to me more about clinic or coming to see me as well so they're all there too
0: yeah great oh no fantastic that's that's really good and i'm glad no no i'm glad we managed to talk and we can hopefully if uh, you know get feedback and things um we can we can get you on and dive into a specific area because we could probably do this all day and that's really really good. But yeah guys I'll put I'll put everything that that, that we talked about today in the show notes and and I'll link to to the wonderful um website and things as well and just yeah get on over if you using instagram i'm I'm always amazed about the amount that you that you manage to post it's always a decent picture and then loads of writing and things and it's uh, yeah it's it's really really created with we, with care and it's really deliberate whereas my stuff is camera on. And it's a little bit kind of hazy. There's no light. And I'm just cooking up some random meal that looks absolutely terrible compared to what you're having. But I think, yeah, whatever you can do, um, you know, pick, pick up some information and definitely get, get reading because, um, yeah, you're very knowledgeable. So thanks for coming on the show and um, we'll catch up. Sounds
1: perfect. Thanks for having me.